Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. going on everybody thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the pure sports pod this is matt wyrick along with kevin haswell and tom robertson nba playoffs it's nfl draft day nhl playoffs second rounds are getting started tonight so many sports going on not enough time to talk about it kevin how you doing i'm doing great yeah the sixers moved on to the next round of the nba playoffs philly's got another big win last night half game out of first place life's pretty good in the uh, haswell household i like it yeah, you having uh, you excited for the Bucks pick too, number seven? Yeah, I believe. I'm, I'm looking forward to them drafting a secondary player. Uh, they need you know, some guys on the backside of that defense to help them out next year, and uh, you know I'm excited. I like uh, Derwin James out of uh, safety out of Florida State. That seems um, like the most obvious pick. Yeah, either him or Minka Fitzpatrick, who you know I actually like better, um, but he could go earlier than the Bucks pick. So we'll see. Then we're going to talk mock drafts and such. So I'll hold off until then to talk about the Bucks, but. You know, all my teams are looking good except the Buccaneers, so we need to turn them around. Tom, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. A uh, good day to be alive. Quite very nervous. Can't lie. Straight, there's a strain on my heart right now, as there always is this time of year. Um, Caps Penguins, round three, third time, third year in a row. These teams are going to square off against each other in the second round of the playoffs. Truly no rivalry like it in sports right now. We're going to get to that in a little bit uh, a little bit later. But nervous, excited, happy, grateful. Grateful. Well, the Nats got a 15-2 victory against the Giants yesterday. Can take solace in the mat after they lost four straight prior to uh, that game. But, you know, we're waiting for some guys to come back. Adam Eaton, Anthony Rendon, Daniel Murphy. Murphy, all on the DL right now. Um, but Saints pick at number 27 might be trading up, you know, hearing some rumors. I don't know. I'm, I always love draft day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Um, it's a great example of how sports uh, was commercialized. Um, you know, the draft used to be an insignificant, you know, not a broadcast event, but ESPN uh, started sponsoring it, and then it kind of blew up, and I, I think that's really cool for sports journalism. So love watching the draft, and we got a lot of quarterbacks, and that's the focus of our NFL segment today is where are the four quarterbacks going to be landing in tonight's draft? Or, sorry, five quarterbacks uh, who are um, mostly focused on, with all due respect to Mason Rudolph and Kyle Laletta, um, we won't be hitting on those guys today. But Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson – are all in the conversation for picks within the top 20. Kevin, we're going to start with Sam Darnold. What is your take on the USC Trojan? I think he's the got the highest ceiling in the draft. I know a lot of people don't like him just because of the turnovers in college, and you know, they think that that won't turn around the pros. Um, you know, I think he's still got a lot to learn. He's got the best tools in the class, um, and you know, I think he's going to be the number one pick. I, you know, the Browns uh, owner had to sit down with Darnold and his parents when they went out to USC's pro day. Uh, they really liked him, and you know he put up pretty good numbers in, in the combine, and he has a great arm. You know he's had a good score on the Wonderlick test. I mean, 
Sounds like a no-brainer for the Browns at number one. And uh, I think they got to go with Sam Darnold. And you know, I think he's a great quarterback prospect. The one one thing I have an issue with in this in this draft is I don't think there's you know the year we had Winston and Mariota. We had another year we had Andrew Luck and RG three. I don't think this draft has those type of quarterbacks, those franchise set quarterbacks. Um, you know, Andrew Luck was a no-brainer. James Winston was a no-brainer uh, coming out of college. And I don't think you know there's really that no-brainer. You can see you know with Baker Mayfield jumping up to in some mock drafts to number one, it just shows that you know, it's kind of a mediocre quarterback class, and everyone else is just guessing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Sam Darnold has the the biggest ceiling uh, in this class. We'll get to who that is in a, in a few minutes, but. Um, you know, he makes good reads, it, it can scramble when he need, when needed, uh, has good instincts, very humble leader as well, somebody that, you know, um, you can really get behind uh, in a locker room, but he's not as athletic as, as some of the other guys, didn't do very well at the Combine, uh, his footwork is criticized and fumbles often, he had 11 fumbles last season, uh, slow release on his throws and, and often tries to fit things into tight windows when uh, really, you know, it's a bit of a risky play. I mean, he has all the things that you can't teach, you know, the intangibles and the instincts that, you know, have to be there for a franchise quarterback. Uh, he just kind of needs to refine his mechanics, work through his progressions a little bit better, learn uh, about calling his own protections at the line, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I do think he's going to go number one to the Browns. I mean, uh, you know, Josh Allen, he he's, he's probably has the highest ceiling, but he's so raw and you're not really sure, you know, what you're going to get out of him. You kind of have to hope you have a coaching staff that can really turn things around with him or, or at least make him reach his full potential. Not sure if the Browns have the coaching staff for that. I mean, all due respect to Hugh Jackson, he went 0-16 last year, and uh, I'm really not convinced that he can be a solid NFL coach just yet. So we'll just have to see how the Browns do, but uh, I, I think Sam Darnold's the safest pick for them. To me, I think the thing with Sam Darnold is you talk about his, his decision-making. Again, tries to make throws that sometimes aren't there. Some people may say that's something you can coach up. I think that's truly something that uh, is going to be, if that, if that problem is persisting at this point in his career, it's going to be something that's a problem uh, for a long time down the road. It, it, it comes down to, yes, you can talk about uh, going through your progressions, um, trying to tell a quarterback when it's there and when it's not. But in the heat of that moment, when, when it, there's just so much adrenaline running, you've got to decide to make that throw. Some guys have that restraint, and some guys don't. And to me, I see Sam Darnold as a guy that doesn't have that restraint in the long run that's going to throw a lot of interceptions and make a lot of bad decisions in the league, uh, which is kind of a red flag for me. Uh, not sure that he should go number one. That very well may be what will happen. To me, if I'm the Browns, I'm not taking Sam Darnold at number one. Baker Mayfield, the Heisman-winning quarterback out of Oklahoma, 23 years old, only six foot one, weighs 220 pounds, uh, has been had a very interesting offseason since uh, he played his last game uh, with the Sooners. He had a fantastic pro day, has met with several head coaches uh, in front offices, and has really impressed people with the fact that a guy who is suspected to be a middle, middle of the first round kind of guy has moved up to be in conversations for even the top overall pick, as Kevin mentioned. Uh, had a fantastic year last year, threw for 4,600 yards, a Completion percentage over 70% for the second straight year. 43 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Uh, you know, he's a guy that has been a walk-on twice in his college career. Uh, had to win over the starting job. In Texas Tech at 2013, played 8 games when uh, head coach over there decided to open up the converse, uh, competition for quarterback again the next season. He transferred, didn't start playing for Oklahoma until 2015, but had 3 fantastic years. Um, is one Is the oldest quarterback 
uh, among this top five at 23 years old. And, you know, good locker room leader. A lot of guys like to rally around him. Very elite accuracy. He's a winner. Um, very good at extending plays with his legs, can work out of the pocket very well. However, he does have some character issues, having you know grabbed his crotch in front of a opposing bench. And um, we saw with some tweets coming out uh, from when he was younger uh, that were seen as racist. That was Josh Allen. Oh, that was Josh Allen. My apologies. Sorry, Baker. Didn't want to uh, <laughs> characterize you that way. Um, he also played in a spread offense, which is more like a high school offense than a pro style uh, unit, so he'll have to learn that way. His footwork isn't too isn't great, and he tends to hold the ball a little too long. So while his draft value has skyrocketed, I do think it's for good reason. And you know, how, he has that mentality I think that can handle playing in New York, and that's why I think the Jets are going to take him at number three. Uh, you know, he's he he looks like a guy who can be a winner, a guy who can be the face of a franchise, and the Jets have lacked that kind of entity for so long. You know, the last quarterback to lead them to a playoff game was Mark Sanchez. So they, they really need a change of face, uh, a change of definition, and I think no other quarterback in this draft can bring that to the field like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you know, I, I really like Baker Mayfield. He's got the strong arm. The only concern I have with him is his size. Um, you know, you're seeing less and less concern over that nowadays, especially with you know, the likes of you know, Drew Brees coming out with a big arm. About six foot tall, but being able to get the ball back yards season after season. But you know, I am a fan of Baker Mayfield. I think the antics um, are a little different than Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel had you know some off the field issues that had to do with you know not to say mental health, but you know he did have some you know, substance alcohol, abuse, yeah, substance abuse problems. Um, and I don't think Baker Mayfield has that. I think a lot of his mistakes were just stupid, you know, college kid, uh, typical drunk on the street, whatever. Um, not making smart decisions, but then again, every college student I feel like makes uh, stupid decisions one time or another. So uh, I'm not really concerned about his character. I mean, everyone at Oklahoma loved playing for him. Uh, you know, he's a great leader. He brought them to the college football playoff, and you know, year after year, he was very good at quarterback. Uh, my uh, only other concern would be you know the style of offense they played. It wasn't quite pro style offense, but you know, I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield. I'm excited to see how he can develop in the NFL, but I think he's one of those players that needs to sit out a year behind a good quarterback, uh, really learn from him, and then give him a real opportunity. Do you think and, the Jets will be drafting him? Uh, you know, a lot of mock drafts are saying that today. Uh, you know, they have him going three with uh, Darnold going first and Saquon Barkley going second. I could see it. Um, do I think it's the right choice? Probably not. If I go with Josh Allen over him, uh, I think Josh Allen's got a higher ceiling than Baker Mayfield. Um, but... Uh, we'll see what the Jets do. I mean, they desperately need a quarterback to turn around the turn around the franchise, and I think Kevin Gates has the capabilities. There's a few things I want to touch on with Baker Mayfield. First, just because Kevin just mentioned it, the off the off the field antics, um, the the drunken public issue. Talk about all college students have that issue at some point or another. That's not true, especially with football players that are in the position he is in. When you're in that position, you know you're going to be an NFL quarterback. That's not something you just go out and do lightly. You have to have your future in mind and be smarter about that. You have to be smarter than the average college kid that's going into the business world. You may you may smirk at that, but uh, it, it's to me it's a serious red flag that he is not taking his future as seriously as he should be uh, and realizing the potential that he has to be a superstar quarterback. And that's a red flag for me personally. Second is the on-the-field antics and his attitude. Uh, 
you don't see a lot of quarterbacks. You don't see almost nearly any quarterbacks uh, today coming out uh, with these sort of uh, issues that succeed at the NFL level. You have to have uh, an even keel, uh, especially as a quarterback. You have to have a short memory. You have to be a steady leader for your team, and you just you can't put your emotions on your sleeve like you like Baker Mayfield does at the NFL level. You're going to get burned for it. And it's something that I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be able to contain. Coaches are going to try, and I don't think they'll succeed. I think he is an incredible competitor, but too much so to where it's a grueling grind of a league. And he, I just don't think he has the mental capacity to be able to stay at an even keel like we need to at the, at the NFL level uh, in games and in the practice field. Uh, you have to be a consistent role model as quarterback in, in this league. I don't think he's equipped to do that. Third is the size, as you talked about. Uh, it's a concern. Uh, it's a little bit less of a concern nowadays, obviously, with Drew Brees you talked about, Russell Wilson. You know, shorter guys have been able to succeed in the league. But at the same time, um, he, he, you do have to have that extra skill set to make up for that. Uh, and that's just another thing going against him. To me, I don't think he should go at number three. I don't think the Jets will end up taking him at number three because they've like they've had so many problems at quarterback. They've they've gotten so many just experiments and projects at quarterback, uh, Geno Smith, and and just guys that are not prepared to succeed at the NFL level or have certain tweaks that need to be made before they are the perfect prototype quarterback. I think Josh Allen is much closer to that, um, and he is a guy that can get it done and turn this Jets franchise around. I think he should go number three. Yep, well, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think you can be too much of a competitor, as you said. Um, you know, I think that he does have that mental capacity to succeed because, you know, playing in the college football playoff, I mean, to play uh, in the Big 12, he's had his big moments. He's been, you know, on the, the big stage and has performed well uh, while doing it. I mean, even when uh, Georgia beat Oklahoma in the college football playoff semifinal, you know, Oklahoma had a fantastic game. Baker Mayfield had a fantastic game, led them to overtime. I mean, you know, that was one of the best college football games I've seen uh, probably since USC and Penn State the year before. I mean, that was uh, just an incredible contest between those two teams with Sam Darnold absolutely going off. But, you know, Baker Mayfield, and uh, he, he, he seems like a winner to me. And, you know, even though he didn't win that playoff game, you know, he put them in, in a great position to do it. The Oklahoma defense couldn't come through at the end there, but... You know, the Sooners, they had a fantastic quarterback on their hands, and I think whoever drafts Mayfield is going to. I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of, of, the, of the Saints, you know, considering moving up. I mean, the Giants are reportedly shopping the number two pick. You know, if the Saints can put it together what they have to, to get him, I would love for him to be the successor to Drew Brees because I think he's a, a Drew Brees in the making. Uh, you know, has the, the same. Saints, when you can get a talented player in the first round and, you know, move up to 15, why would you spend a king's ransom on a quarterback that you don't need right now? Because Drew Brees' contract is only for the next two and years, they'll, and they'll have to trade, you know, first round picks for like two another two years. Maybe you trade your first round pick this year, first round pick next year, and your second round pick next year. It's a lot to give up for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield will be worth it. You talk there, look. You talk about there's, you talk there's about good the quarterback level. classes every year. Dude. Are there though? I have to yes. go back to this. I have and the to Saints are going to have a high draft pick. You're you're talking about you you talking about. The compete level. He's been on, been on the big stage in college football. It's a whole different ballgame in the NFL. Maybe not necessarily a, a stage. Uh, yes, the college football playoffs a big stage, but I'm talking about the people you're going up against. They're not going to stoop to that level. College kids. There's a lot of immature guys out there. They're going to stoop to that level. They're going to get amped up. 
These guys in the NFL on the defensive side of the football are going to remain even keeled. I know that and there's a difference. And if you give difference. them an inch, if you give them an inch, showing that you're not ready to compete and have that and have that mentality of staying even keeled, not showing. But Baker Mayfield doesn't crack under into, pressure. He I'm doesn't not crack. About cracking under but pressure. that's what I'm saying. He's not going to give any glimpse of of being able of he faltering. Will. He Absolutely. won't. He won't. He'll 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 complete a ten yard pass, third and ten. And just get so amped up, and just it's ridiculous. He'll be like, "Whoa, let's go!" And these these guys, Which is great. these guys are gonna laugh that off, and they're gonna say, "All right, like that's gonna bring them to another level." Baker Mayfield hasn't yet to see that kind of pressure from an elite level defense, uh, and, and I just don't think he's gonna be able to handle it, especially uh, with some of the falters in his game right now. We'll see. But Josh Rosen, another Pac-12 quarterback, uh, finished last year's season eleven games, thirty-seven hundred yards. That's an 8.3 yards per attempt, 62% uh, completion percentage, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. However, had negative 97 rushing yards the year before, negative 72. Has never been a prolific rusher, to say the least. Has been criticized in the past for his inability to get out of the pocket. Uh, not really a good scrambling quarterback. However, uh, considered the most pro-ready quarterback, ran a pro offense, elite pocket passer, very uh, accomplished with his mechanics and footwork, and is good at leading receivers. His yards after catch is among the best uh, in college football last year from his receivers, uh, which, of course, in part goes to his receivers uh, being playmakers after they catch the ball. However, uh, the film study does show that he was very good, especially at the middle of the field, in leading his receivers. However, he's had multiple concussions and shoulder injuries that have hampered his production in the past. He was limited to just six games in 2016. Uh, suspect on some deep balls, and his leadership skills have been questioned as he's considered a very cocky player. Uh, Kevin is giving me a lot of looks right now. Uh, what is your What are your questions here? He said he's very good at leading receivers, but then he's not a good deep passer. Where does he lead receivers? Middle, short to middle passes over the middle of the field. Second, just want to let you know that rushing stats don't mean anything in college because in the NFL, sacks don't count against rushing yards. But in the NFL, or in the NFL, they don't count against rushing yards. But in college, they do. It's really just to point so, out the fact that he can't scramble. Doesn't mean he can't scramble. He's considered one of the worst scrambling means, quarterbacks in this draft. Doesn't, it doesn't mean it means he doesn't take. Scrambling, anyone can scramble. You don't get yardage for scrambling. You do if you pass the line of scrimmage and run for yards, which he doesn't do. Scrambling. Yes, it is. That's scrambling, scrambling out of... you in the position to, 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 to take run. off. Yes, yes and exactly. he's considered that he but can't... scrambling has nothing to do with rushing yards. You would still have more than negative 97 rushing yards if you can scramble. Right up the middle, and it's not a scramble. Yeah, well, they didn't run design runs. It doesn't directly translate, but it certainly helps. If you have a scrambling ability, you're not going to have negative... The fact that you have such a low rushing total is, sure, in part to the fact that sacks count against you, but it also shows that you aren't scrambling, and this is... You know, I think negative 97 rushing really, yards is significant. There's a lot of play, players that are really good at scrambling that don't accumulate rushing yards. But they'll have so more than negative num- negative seven. With they will have more than negative 97. That's all, all right, I'm regardless, saying. Regardless, irrelevant. Going back, not a fan of Josh Rosen. I was not a fan of the Giants, you know, being rumored to picking him at two. Um, you know, he's been rumors that he doesn't even like to, doesn't even like to play football. Uh, you know, needs to be entertained when he's out on the field. Blah, blah, blah. As soon as I hear that, that's a major red flag. If you don't love what you're doing, why are you doing it at all? I'm not a fan of Josh Rosen. And, you know, I don't think – I mean, I've been seeing mock drafts. He keeps falling between the 8 and 15 range now. And he was considered a candidate for the top three pick at one point. So, um, not a big fan of Josh Rosen. Uh, I can see he's the best – most NFL ready right now. But he's got one of the lowest ceilings in the first round. And I'm just not a fan of him. Yeah, to me – 
he is going to be a poor man's Jay Cutler. Uh, destined for mediocrity uh can't jay color almost no leadership skills out there he shows no affect out on the field uh rose in the same way and again not passionate um certainly seems a little bit spoiled uh in terms of oh i've got life made already i don't even need football that seems to be his mentality to me um and and just a guy that will never reach an elite level uh, he doesn't have the skill set. He's pretty much reached where he's going to go. Um, and especially if you don't have that drive to get better, which he clearly doesn't, um, he, he's not going anywhere. I mean, honestly, my, my biggest concern with him is his health. He's had two concussions uh, in his college career. He had a shoulder injury that limited him, limited him to the, just the six games in 2016. And he also su- suffered from multiple shoulder injuries in high school, too. Uh, I'm just, I'm not sure if he can be durable enough, you know, especially a guy that isn't very mobile. If he kind of gets out of his comfort zone out of the pocket and gets leveled by, you know, blindsided or whatever, uh, blitzing linebacker, I'm not sure he's going to be getting up. Uh, so in between that and his leadership skills, which, you know, are certainly suspect, uh, he can bring stability, uh, to the position. I think he's certainly, you know, like you said, you know, the most pro ready, uh, he's got the highest floor, but the lowest ceiling. So, you know, I think a team looking for somebody who can kind of just bring, you know, uh, a consistent presence to the position, like the Bills. Uh, I think the Bills might be trading up to get him. I could see them, if, if Cleveland's willing to shop the number four pick, I could see the Bills trading up uh, and picking Rosen here um, because, you know, they want to be leapfrogging the Broncos at number five, who I could 100% see uh, picking Rosen. I think I think right now Rosen is look at, looked at as the safer pick over Allen, and so I think he's going to be picked over him. Uh, so I could see the Broncos picking Rosen at number five if the Browns don't shop uh, the, the number four pick, but I think they will, and I think the Bills get it, and I think they end up with Rosen. As for Allen, who played at Wyoming last year in the Mountain West Conference, he's 6'5", 237, age 21. Played 11 games last year where he threw for only 1,800 yards uh, with a 56% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. However, the year before, played in 14 games, threw for over 3,000, up to 8.6 yards per attempt. Uh, Similar completion percentage, but more touchdowns, a much better passing uh, passer rating, and 523 rushing yards with 7 touchdowns. So, can move his feet, but is really well known for his arm, has the strongest arm in the draft, and also had the best combine. He's considered the, the biggest freak athlete. Uh, in terms of these quarterbacks, he had the top vertical and broad jumps uh, among quarterbacks and also ran a pro-style offense uh, over in Wyoming. However, he's considered to not really have a, the touch. He, he sometimes will throw too hard on his passes uh, and not be able to float it or will float it too much. And then you have rainbow throws. Um, his footwork is criticized and his numbers did drop in 2017, which was a bit concerning. Um, some poor pre-snap reads. However, he does have to call his own uh, plays at the line, which is not a lot of quarterbacks in college do. Um, checks his own uh, protections and that kind of thing. So he did get some training uh, in that sense. Um, But he also stares down his receivers, kind of doesn't check his progressions as quickly as a few of the other quarterbacks. So certainly has a few things to work on, but is considered the boomer bust player of this draft. And I think he needs some time to develop under uh, another quarterback. So I could see him go into the Broncos at number five. Case Keenum, uh, you know, has signed for this next year. I could totally see uh, Keenum kind of shepherding Allen into, uh, you know, being his understudy and then him taking over for the quarterback in a few years. Who would have thought we'd say Case Keenum deserves uh, to, to, to be the mentor to one of the best quarterbacks in the draft? I know. After one good year, he's all of a sudden uh, equipped to teach one of the most raw talents coming out of this draft. But I love Josh Allen. Uh, I think that, like you said, he's boomer bust, but 
That's what these teams need. They don't need mediocrity, the teams that are drafting this early in the draft. They don't need somebody that's they can count on to be okay. They need superior talent. That's what Josh Allen is. Um, and I truly think that a lot, of the, a lot of the problems that he has can be refined. Footwork is definitely something that can be taught, um, especially with the, with the right coaching staff. Uh, going through your progressions, uh, that's going to take a little bit more work, but with that comes with snaps, getting in the film room. Uh, and I just truly think that his arm is a thing of beauty. Like you said, he's a freak athlete. can be kind of like almost a Ben Roethlisberger, but even more athletic in terms of being able to move in the pocket, make throws on the run. Uh, and I truly think he has the potential to be uh, the best quarterback to come out of this class. I think he's got the most raw skills in the draft. I think there's a lot to build with there. Um, maturity is definitely in the question. I'll do a you know, surface this morning about ESPN. Um, you know, those tweets. I mean, I know everyone's young and dumb, but all of us, I mean, none of us would say something like that when we were in high school on Twitter or Facebook. Um, they're a little too far um, in that sense. But, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Josh Allen. I, I think he's got a high ceiling, um, but I think it. Yep, and finally, our last quarterback in the draft is Lamar Jackson, the one who really has never been in the conversation for going in the top five, but has been jumping up a lot of draft boards recently. It's funny how all these quarterbacks have been rising, um, other than Josh Rosen, really. All of them have had their stock go up and up uh, over the past few weeks, and none more than Lamar Jackson. Uh, the former Heisman Trophy winner went to Louisville. He's only 21 right now, six foot three, 211 uh, pounds. Last year, threw for 3,660 yards with a 59% completion percentage, 27 TDs, 10 interceptions. Also rushed for 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns. The year before, rushed for 1,500 yards and 21. Uh, is considered the fastest quarterback in the draft and has elite elusive running skills, getting a lot of comps to Michael Vick. Uh, fluid footwork in the pocket with a quick release, and he, he handles pressure well, is able to move around uh, in the pocket and still make throws, whether he's on his back foot or having to you know move on the run and throw off his front leg. Uh, and is a very confident leader, a guy that kind of just leads by example, isn't necessarily a talker, but, you know, will put the rest of his team on his back. Um, but he does have a skinny frame and can be too patient in the pocket sometimes. So when it's collapsing, he'll still be looking downfield and uh, almost, you know, let plays get away from him. Uh, has a lower release, which can be batted down at the line uh, and makes risky throws so they're often too flat, uh, isn't able to air it out as much. Um, and has some bad reads when plays break down as well. So, you know, I, I think his running ability, it's going to attract some teams, and, uh, you know, the like some teams are rumored to be trading up. The Patriots are interested in a quarterback. Maybe they trade up and get him, but I think he's going to fall to the Cardinals at number 15. Uh, you know, maybe if, if the Packers end up trading one of their picks, uh, we could be seeing another team there in that 14 spot to nab him. But I think if, if, if Lamar Jackson's still available at 15th, the Cardinals are going to be taking him. No doubt. I... I love Lamar Jackson as an athlete. I think that he is going to be whoever nabs him in that mid to late first round, I think is going to get a steal. I think he is going to be a successful quarterback. He has the tools to run, and I think that he will be – you talk about that frame. I do think that he is a much smarter runner than a guy like Robert Griffin the third, the third was coming out of the draft. I think that he understands when to get out of bounds. He's a much smarter player. Uh, got a great arm and had – Arguably the best season out of any of these quarterbacks uh, that year when he just lit uh, lit the NCAA up completely. I mean, he was unbelievable. Uh, and he has deep ball talent. He can throw it pretty much uh, any day. He's got great touch, great uh, power in his arm. Uh, and he has accuracy at all levels to me, and I think he can throw on the run. 
he can do a lot of really, really good things, a lot of dangerous things. Um, and I think that he I think that he has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this draft, maybe besides Josh Allen. But I think Lamar Jackson has potential to be uh, an incredible talent. Do you NFL. still think he falls down to mid-first round? I think that it depends. I could see the Patriots moving up uh, a little bit earlier than 15 to go get him. Uh, but I think that he's going to be definitely in the double digits somewhere, probably week three. Saints are also rumored to be interested in him, and they like uh, his makeup, but I'm not sure if I'm I'm behind it. I mean, like I said, that skinny skinny frame worries me. Uh, you know, I'm seeing images of RG three getting injured uh, in games, and I can see the same thing happening. Lamar Jackson. He's also he's not as strong as Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, he didn't compete in the combine, uh, so we didn't weren't able to get any kind of numbers on him in terms of how fast he really is, how many bench press, how much he can bench press, that kind of thing. Didn't even go to pro day for Louisville, so it was kind of interesting that he hid those things. That's just a red flag for me in terms of his strength and durability. I'm just not sure if I can trust him to stay healthy over the course of his career. Yeah, another concern's got to be uh, his ability to take off. I mean, that was a huge part of his college game, his rushing ability, and you saw with RG3, he relied so much on him. Jackson's a good pocket passer, but you know I think he in college a lot of the times the passes would be set up by his ability to run. Uh, guys would get open down the field because of the defense might come up and really challenge him to run. So uh, that's we'll well, that's that's a positive thing. That's something you have to give him credit for. But, that's but, something that succeeds at the end. Very, that's a very guys like Rogers and Big Ben. It's a very big concern though. You know, with his skinny. I don't frame. think he relies as much on getting those extra yards like RG3 did. RG3 would do fine getting out of the pocket and getting space uh, and would try to take it too far. I don't think that's something that Lamar Jackson has. Yeah, I mean, as long as you know, you know, you have to get out of bounds and go get the ball. Good player. To talk about would be Tyrod Taylor. He's stayed healthy over the last couple of years because of, you know, he'll get out and scramble, but he'll get out of bounds when he needs to. He won't try to get that extra two yards when he's getting hurt. So, good point. We'll see. I think this is going to be a really exciting draft. Uh, Bradley Chubb and, and Saquon Barkley are the two guys who are considered the best non-QB uh, draft picks and honestly considered probably the two best players uh, in the draft. So if, if any of these teams decide not to go to quarterback, they're probably going to be one of those two guys. We talked about Saquon Barkley probably going uh, number two to the Giants. However, if they shop that pick, we could be seeing a quarterback there picked at number two, um, which I'm really excited to see if that happens. I mean, uh, I think this is going to be a wild, wild draft. I mean, when you have this many quarterbacks, even though, like you mentioned, Kevin, that this might not be the best draft for quarterbacks. The fact that there's a high volume of them means that there's a lot of teams that are going to be shifting around. I think we're going to see more than one trade uh, in this first draft night. We probably will see one before the draft even starts. Um, but, man, is this a good one, and, and I'm excited for it. Uh, this is this is the time where no matter what team you you know you root for, no matter how they finish last year, you can be excited uh, about tonight. Certainly some teams will come out of the draft not feeling as good as, as others, but uh, you know, it's definitely cause to be excited, especially for the teams that were bad last year and get top draft picks. So we'll see what the Browns do because they really have the opportunity to completely own this draft, um, having four picks in the top uh, 60. So we'll see. Should be a, an exciting run for sure. No doubt about it. I always think the draft is kind of overhyped, I, or maybe not even overhyped. I just never really enjoyed watching it. Um, we'll, you know, we as fans, to me, we'll see how they pan out when the season actually starts. I think it's all hype. When a player's picked, they show that reel from college and talk about how good and how much of a difference he can make for this team. And it's like, 
It's really we'll the, see. It's really the ultimate fan experience. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a lot of hype. I don't really buy into it, but it's, I mean, it's fun to see who your team picked and, and, and if they filled the right hole. But I just don't like to watch it because it's all hyping up the players. Do you love free agency? Like, like the when free agency opens and all these signings are happening? Oh, I love free agency. See, that's because the same. It's the same thing for me. You know, you've seen what the players done. But we've seen what they've done in college. But you don't know what they're going to bring you in. I've seen so many players get signed from being amazing one year and horrible the next. Yeah, but eh. anything tonight is the is the night you can actually like know what you're getting. Whereas you know maybe tomorrow you're taking more chances, and then uh, Saturday you're really yeah. I like to see. I like to find out who's drafted. I don't like to watch the program itself because one pick is made and then it's hype talk for five minutes. And so I'd like to see who's picked. I think it's interesting, and I, I definitely keep up with it, but I just don't like to watch the program itself. Well, Tom will be watching the Caps fall to the Penguins. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Whoa! <laughs> I had to That's throw that ridiculous. zinger in there. I had to throw the zinger in there. Whoa. Somebody in our office put a Tom screensaver of Sidney Crosby yesterday, and <laughs> enragement ensued, uh, to say the least. But we're going to, on that note, switch over to the NHL. Uh, we got our... NHL editor Tom Robertson in the building here. Um, and Tom, we're going to start with the Caps. One and nine in their franchise history, playing against the Penguins in the postseason. Can they shake their playoff demons and beat the Penguins in the second round matchup? I won't give you a concrete answer. I can't do it. I, when it comes to the Caps, you know that. Uh, but I will say that this is going to be a compelling matchup no matter what happens. It always is. And I will tell you right now, there is not a single rivalry in sports like this one. It doesn't exist uh, when you really chop up everything that that this rivalry has going for it right now. First of all, they see each other in the postseason at what seems like every single year. This is the third year in a row they're going to see each other in round two. So it means even more than just meeting each other in round one. Uh, Like you said, they've met ten times total. The Caps have only been in the NHL for 40 years. So that, when you talk about 25% of postseasons ever that the Caps, um, not that the Caps have been in, but just 25% of the postseasons period since the Caps' existence, essentially, uh, they have seen the Penguins. That's an incredible number. Uh, And then, of course, you have the two best players in the NHL uh, for over a decade now, Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. Uh, This is the best individual rivalry in sports, no question about it. Um, and just the hate that these two guys have, but the respect at the same time. It was really cool for me to see this year in the All-Star game, uh, they linked up for uh, Alex Ovechkin actually assisted on a Crosby goal, so kind of a mismatch of what you would expect. But that was really cool to see. They have the respect. Uh, they can play well together, but at the same time, they hate each other, um, and it's really fun to watch. And, they, and the thing is, they always perform when they see each other. These guys never fail to put on a show. And I can guarantee you that you're going to see really quality performances out of both Ovechkin and Crosby in this series. Um, like like I said, cannot give a prediction in terms of who's going to win. I just I won't do it to myself. But I will tell you that this series guaranteed going at least six games. No what is question. the biggest difference between these two teams this year versus these two teams last year? The, with the Penguins, they're going to have to rely on a little bit more youth. Uh, they lose a guy like Chris Kunitz. Uh, they're all in on their goaltender, Matt Murray, younger guy. Um, so they're going to have to rely a little bit more on youth as well. Jake Gensel, 34 points in 31 career playoff games. Uh, he lit up last postseason. They need him to do that again. Um, of course, they still have guys like Kessel, Malkin, Crosby that are going to get it done. 
but they have less depth uh, and less. They have similar roster, but they haven't been performing as as well. Guys like Carl Hagland have not been performing as well this season, so they they need those guys to step up. Uh, with the Capitals, they've lost a few key pieces on the blue line. Burakovsky uh, hurt. Burakovsky is hurt. Uh, I think that that's been a bigger storyline necessarily than it should be. They, the Capitals have good guy, good depth forwards like Chandler Stevenson, who scored, scored an incredible uh, shorthanded goal last series. Uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly. They have good uh, wingers, depth wingers that can fill that role. But in terms of the difference between last year and this year, lost some guys on the blue line. Uh, Nate Schmidt going to the Vegas Golden Knights, Carl Olsner, uh, and Kevin Shattenkirk going to the New York Rangers in free agency. Um, so their blue line is a little bit more suspect. However, Dmitry Orlov, after a shaky start to the Blue Jackets series, started to show why he is capable of winning a Norris Trophy at some point in his career. A lot of potential. Uh, John Carlson has been arguably the best defense, defenseman in this postseason in terms of producing points for this Capitals team, but also playing sound defense. Uh, Matt Niskanen, Brooks Orpik has had an incredible uh, start to this postseason, which is something Caps fans should be very excited about, especially going into uh, a series against his former team. He might he'll be even more amped up. But watching that Columbus Blue Jackets series, it was the, the most fun matchup of that entire series was actually Brooks Orpik and Thomas Vanek uh, forward for the Columbus Blue Jackets going after in front of net all series. I think Brooks uh, really showed his strength. Uh, and his willingness to really get to the dirty area and protect that area in front of the net for Braden Holtby. So that's going to be a key for the Capitals this series as well, is can they protect that sacred ice in front of Braden Holtby. All right, and over on the on the western side of things, we got the Golden Knights and the Sharks coming off series sweeps. The Knights uh, sweeping the Kings and the Sharks taking down the Ducks, uh, each four to nothing. Who holds the edge in this series? I mean, defense uh, is a big part uh, of the Sharks' success, and it, they didn't, do so well against the Knights this season with the Knights taking a 3-0-1 season victory over them. You know, can the Sharks get past that and power past the Knights? I don't think they can. Uh, I think the Knights, what they did to the Kings in that first round is just you can't look past that incredible performance. And you talk about this is going to be even more of a defensive struggle than that series was. And the Knights only scored seven goals in that series in four games, held the Kings to three. I think you're going to see a very similar style of series here. Uh, and the fact that the Golden Knights have already uh, had experience in that kind of series and if it were able to come out on top uh, is something that's very promising for Golden Knights fans. The Knights are not getting enough credit right now from, from really anybody. Uh, and I don't understand it. I, I, I guess I can, I, I can understand it, just the fact that they're an expansion team. This is their first ever season. But just take that fact away, and they – Arguably are the best team in the West right now. I mean, you have the Nashville Predators that have done incredible things this season, but the Golden Knights are the most complete team that I've seen in the NHL in years. Uh, like I said uh, last show talking about them, they don't have a first, second, third, fourth line. They have four second lines. Uh, they just have so much talent on every single line and so much chemistry. Uh, they have offensive firepower. But at the same time, it's just such a solid blue line unit. And I think that you have to give the goaltending edge to Marc-Andre Fleury with his experience uh, and his incredible quickness and ability in that. Even though Martin Jones has had success in the postseason leading his team to a Stanley Cup final, 
and he is an underrated goaltender. I think you got to give the edge in that regard to uh, the Golden Knights. I just think in all three phases of the game, uh, offense, defense, goaltending, the Knights just have a slight edge over the Sharks team. Finally, we have two series uh, with very different storylines, Lightning and Bruins. Uh, both teams have been fixtures in the playoffs over the past few years. Uh, with, again, and then the Predators and Jets with the Predators being, you know, having lost in the Stanley Cup final last year um, and the Jets only making their third uh, postseason experience in franchise history and second since moving to Winnipeg. Uh, which, which series do you think is going to be more highly contested here? I mean, you know, is it the Lightning and Bruins? Because it seems to be the one that's getting more attention. But I, I, to me, it seems like Predators-Jets is going to be a little more intriguing. Uh, I think... What you have here are two series that have a very, very high potential to go seven games. Both of these series, absolutely, and they're going to be so fun to watch. You have a similar uh, similar situation, actually, kind of a similar matchup in terms of these types of teams. The Bruins, uh, a, little bit more, uh, a little bit more grit and a little bit more talent on the blue line, more defensively focused, and I think that's what you see as well with the Predators. Uh, over out west, and they have uh, a solid forward group, a lot of depth at center, just like the Bruins do as well. But most of their focus with that team is on the blue line. Um, guys like PJ Subban, Roman Yossi, uh, Matthias Ekholm. It's, it, they have probably the best defensive core in the in the league right now. Um, so you look at those two types of teams. I think you see very similar, especially veteran goaltenders Pekarene and Tuka Rask. Um, and then. On the other side of that coin, you have the Jets and the Lightning, I think two teams that have a lot of offensive firepower, uh, but at the same time can't steal games with their goaltending. Uh, the question for these teams is more so on the blue line, uh, but these offensive units have done incredible things, uh, and you have just a dynamic duo uh, in terms of Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov that, uh, with the Lightning. You have a similar situation with Blake Wheeler, uh, and Mark Scheifele on that, on that top line with the Winnipeg Jets. So it's going to be really fun to watch, uh, especially with this uh, with this Lightning-Boston series. To me, is going to be extremely fun just because of the talent that you have. You have Brad Marchand, one of the best players in the league, Kucherov, Stamkos, Bergeron. Uh, David Pasternak has had an incredible uh, start to this postseason as well. The key for the Bruins uh, is they need that Bergeron line to step up even more. Uh, had some very shaky moments, which is very surprising in that first round. And they need Patrice Bergeron to anchor that first line and play a little bit better. Uh, out West, I think the difference in that series is going to be the experience that the Predators have uh, going all the way last season. Uh, and the Jets have never been there before. I don't even think. this is. I think this is their first time in the second round uh, of the playoffs ever. Uh, so I just think the moment might be a little bit too big for them. Uh, and you'll see that prevail later on in the series. So I like the Predators to come out there, and I actually like Boston uh, in this Lightning-Boston series as well. All right, well, that'll wrap up our NHL segment. Tom, as always, thank you so much uh, for running us through there. I'm looking forward to seeing these games. I'm, you know, I'm a casual hockey fan, but as we get deeper and deeper into the Stanley Cup playoffs, I watch more and more games. So I think I watched a grand total of two uh, in the first two uh, first round. Which so maybe we'll jump up to four. I watched game three of the um, Blue Jackets and the Caps. Uh, and I watched the Flyers uh, lose, what was it, by four? Um, in that first round there into the Penguins. So, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Kevin, but 
you know, not that you're really a diehard Flyers fan anyway. Casual fan. <laughs> um, they're a jersey, though. They're fresh. Yeah, they're they are pretty right, cool. They are pretty good looking. Um, but we finally have NBA uh, to talk about here, which we're still in the first round with a few teams. We do have a couple of matchups decided. Um, we're going to have the Pelicans and the Warriors going on, um, which will be a fun one. Um, but right now, there's, there's a couple games that happened last night. Uh, one was the Wizards falling to the Raptors uh, in Game 5. Uh, they're now going to Game 6 to play at home, staving off elimination down 3-2. to two. Kevin, do you think the Wizards have any chance of winning back-to-back games to win this series? No. The only thing that's on their side right now is they need to go back home for Game 6. But I think the Raptors have this series wrapped up. Um, Raptors have it wrapped up. Yeah, you see what I did there? <laughs> but, no, when those Wizards tied it up at two, you know, I really thought it was Raptors and six. I know Tom's on the same side as me. Raptors and six. I think it's be Raptors and seven. I don't think the Wizards are going to lose at home, but I don't. I don't have any faith in them to win on the road. Uh, as I've said on the pod before, you know, John Wall looking to sleep out there just doesn't seem like he has the hustle or the heart right now, and it's it's really a low moment for him. Uh, a guy that's been the heart and soul of this team, and and when the heart and soul of your team is is sitting at, on the baseline, uh, watching all of his the, the, an entire offensive play go around him. I mean. There was one play where Wall was literally standing in the corner of the three-point line, just hands on his knees, watched as an entire play go uh, unfold. Two shots were taken, and he just stood there. And, you know, that just kind of goes to show where his effort's been in the series. You know, he does, you know, flirt with triple-doubles. He had 26 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists last night. But, you know, the Wizards weren't able to get it done. They were uh, tight with the Raptors all the way until the fourth quarter until fading down the stretch and, you know, that is how it is, you know, especially on the road for them. So uh, no faith in the Wizards, unfortunately, and we'll probably be seeing the Raptors moving on to the next round. Jo- uh, LeBron James staved the Pacers uh, off, giving the Cavaliers a 3-2 lead in that series after hitting a buzzer beater uh, to win 98-95. Um, also blocked Victor Oladipo on a shot uh, on the previous possession. So really just, tending. yeah, I agree. It, it looked like goaltending to me, but, you know, Rest didn't call it, and the, the Cavs have a 3-2 series lead. Um, going back to Indiana for uh, Game 6, so we could be seeing you know the Pacers, uh, who also have a similar record to the Wizards, um, at home, very, very good at, at home. Um, do we think the Cavs are, are in control here, or is this a series where we might be able to see um, you know the underdogs maybe pull out a victory? I could honestly see the Cavs in 7 here. Um, they're going back to Indiana for Game 6. You know, Victor Oladipo been playing really well in this series. Cavs defense, um, which, you know, everyone was questioning the Cavs defense coming into the playoffs, and they're actually fourth out of 16 playoff teams on the defensive rating, so you know, they're playing a lot better than people think. Um, but, you know, I think the Cavs are going to win the seven. I just, I don't see them playing game six in Indiana. Well, what's interesting to note here is we previewed this series on the show. I remember I was here on the show. Uh, you guys mentioned a lot of different things, and I came in at the last second and yelled, Sabonis! And he's been one of the best players for Indiana in this series. Coming off the bench, has had incredible performances. This guy is the real deal. He's a great ball player. Uh, starting caliber player, no doubt about it. A guy that can average double-digit points to me. Um, putting up the most points on this Indiana team last night, I believe. He's had 22 points or so. 22 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, great, great, great numbers for uh, Sabonis. And to me, this is no doubt about it, a series. Regardless of the fact that uh, Cleveland won, won last night, uh, it was a shaky win. Uh, it was a win they needed to rely on LeBron James, not just in the closing seconds. He was 
uh, doing his thing, taking a lot of plays on his shoulders throughout the game. Um, and I see this one going 7-2. Uh, to me, it's a coin toss, but I will give the edge to the Cavaliers uh, just because of the LeBron James factor. But I still think this is going to be a really fun one to watch down to the wire. And to note here, the, the Cavs actually got outscored by five in the fourth quarter, only scoring 17 points. So, you know, they did fade a little bit down the stretch there. They had 32 points in that third quarter, uh, which really, you know, put them in a position to win and, and to have to hold on to that lead. Um, but the Pacers, they just look like they play from start to finish. And I think they're actually going to come out with that game seven win. And I think they're going to win at home. And I when they go back to, to Cleveland, call. you know, I, I love this Pacers team. I, I don't think they're going to go far in the East, but. I would love to see them win, and I think they're going to do it. Sabonis factor. The Sabonis factor. The Oladipo factor. I'm a big fan the of Sabonis. Is a great. You got to give him his due, though. He has had an incredible series, all series, not just last night. Absolutely. I mean, you know, coming off the bench uh, for them has been huge. You know, they, they, this isn't a team that's talked about as, um, you know, a lot of depth. And actually, a lot of people were talking about how the, the they had better depth than the Cavs, and uh, you know. If you take away their leading scores, the second leading score on each team, Cavs had a higher leading score. Third leading score on each team, Cavs still had a higher leading score. Cavs are also averaging more bench points than the Pacers in this series. Yet, they are, uh, you know, we're 2-2 entering the last game and up 3-2 now. Um, you know, I think this is an underdog Pacers team that is being undersold in a lot of ways. And, and I'm excited for what they can do, not just this year, but if Victor Oladipo you know, progresses in the future, we could be seeing him like a James Harden. Uh, if he can, you know, finesse the right, behind right, the three-point line. That's where I have to yeah. stop. I, want, I was trying to get a reaction from Kevin. Trying to get a reaction from Kevin here. People would never be a top 20 player in the NBA, and you need to relax with that. Never be a top 20? No. Now, that's a debate. I don't like that take. That's I a debate. I don't think he's going to be James Harden. He I, doesn't <laughs> do anything other than score. I mean, what does he do? Pretty good, pretty good thing to have going for you. He had an average player's player efficiency rating last year. How is he a top twenty player? He's not right now, but he could be. He said he's got the potential. He has the athletic. He has the athletic potential. He has the athletic ability. He's in like his sixth year in the NBA, dude. Where's the potential? Okay. How long was James? How old was I? How old was Isaiah Thomas when he became a top twenty player? James Harden was sixth man of the year. His like second year in the league. Okay, but does sixth man of the year make a top twenty player in the league? He scored like 20 points a game in his second year in the league. James, James Harden, Harden was never a top 20 player in the league during his time at OKC. No. He was in OKC for two years. Okay. Victor Oladipo has been on three different teams. He get, he basically gets traded whenever there's a chance because he's not good. Because he's not good. He's not a number one scorer. You need to scorer. cool the Jets over there, Kevin. We got They're one more. making out of the we... Martinez. Every time he gets moved, he becomes a better player. <sighs> so just deal him a couple more times. Superstar. But we do have one more game I want to talk about, and yes, that is we do. And that is the Thunder taking down the Jazz 107-99 uh, to narrow the series to three games to two with the Jazz still in control. They're heading back to Utah for game six. Is there any hope for the Thunder? Who saw Russell Westbrook and Paul George come through in the fourth quarter after kind of faltering down the stretch? They came back from a 25-point deficit to win. Very impressive victory uh, for Oklahoma City. Can they do it? Let's not undersell what happened last night. Westbrook and Paul George did not just come through for the Thunder. They literally picked this team up out of a six-foot dug grave that was already halfway filled with dirt and lifted them up single-handedly, dragged them out, tossed them out of the pit, and said, let's go. Literally, they were down 25 points in the third quarter. OKC goes on a 32-7 to run. 
with all 32 points being scored by Westbrook and Paul George. That is unbelievable. It's one of the most incredible, it's the most incredible NBA game I've ever seen last night. I am not kidding you. That's the best basketball game I've ever seen. And Westbrook and Paul George did something that they're going to need to continue to do for this OKC team, but I won't put it past them after what I saw last night. And I do think the Thunder can win this game, uh, can win this series in seven games. Kevin? I just think it's funny that you said that's the best basketball game you've ever seen. Did you watch the game? No. It was incredible. I I actually didn't, but... And Westbrook didn't even have a great first half, and he just turned it on. He's... That was... It was... They were down 25 in the third quarter. And I I saw... Listen to this last night. 2,550 games. There have been teams down 25 points or more in the third quarter. Last night was the first time ever that 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 the third quarter ended uh, at least tied. Every single other time the team down 25 points went into the fourth quarter still down. First time ever that a team has overcome that big of a deficit in the third quarter to tie it. It was incredible. Most well, one-sided so, goal um, I've ever seen. You know, after last night, after the performances, the, you know, the big three, looked like they had a lot more chemistry out there, played a lot better. I'm going to go Thunder in seven. Wow. I still think the Jazz um, take game six, but... You know, if the Jazz take game six, then they win. What? the Jazz take game six, then they win. Thunder going to win the next two games, win the series. Thunder, baby. Roll Thunder. Roll Thunder. Jazz are taking the series. Next game, it's going to be over. Uh, see you, OKC, and see you, Paul George, in LA next season. They can't come back after what happened last night. You understand how demoralized they are after that? I mean, Donovan Mitchell has a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to take over. That chip, yeah. that chip last that night. That chip just got taken and bashed in by a hammer. <laughs> are you kidding me? They had a 25-point lead in the third quarter. Which gave him now this chip that is there now. No, it wasn't there before. No, he, he literally is thinking to himself, I can't compete with the big boys just yet. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think that's um, what He got embarrassed last night. I'm sorry. It was embarrassing. They just need a bigger production of Rudy Gobert. Uh, had a double-double, but, you know, only 11 points, 10 rebounds. Um, and six of them were offensive, so, you know, he wasn't really able to He's gonna put the straps. He's going to show more He came out of the game in the third quarter with four fouls, and that's one of the big things that sparked uh, what happened for the Thunder. He needs to stay disciplined, but at the same time, I just think that these beasts from OKC, uh, have woke, they're awake now. Uh, I think uh, one thing I heard coming out of the game last night is that uh, these Thunder players, they never thought they could ever lose to the Pacers. But when that reality became real, they really turned out their game, and I think that's what you're going to see for the rest of the series. You meant Jazz, not Pacers, but I hear jazz, you. Jazz, yes. They never thought they could lose to the Jazz. The Thunder never thought that. Donovan Mitchell for Rookie of the Year, and thank you very much, everybody. That's going to do it for our show today. Thank you, Tom, for coming on. As always, always a pleasure to have you. No doubt. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pure Sports Net, like us on Facebook at Pure Sports Network, and check out our website at puresportsnetwork.com. I'm Matt Wyrick. This is Tom Robertson and Kevin Haswell signing off. Kevin, any final words for the good people? Sixers are going to the finals. I said last episode. We're saying that over and over again. Tom's clapping over there. He agrees with me. Trust the process. Go Sixers. Well, let me tell you something. The nerves get more and more intense as the day goes on. Every minute, I feel more strain on my heart. Uh, I'm going to die at a young age because of this Capitals team, and it will all have been worth it. I'd give my life for this team, and I can't wait to watch them go into battle tonight, baby. Go Caps. It's going to be incredible. Love watching these two teams square off, no matter how many times the Capitals have lost this matchup. 
Let's go. This is my CTV tonight. There's nothing else on television you should be watching besides Caps Penguins. Go Caps! Go Nats. Finally picking up that much-needed win. Saints going to trade up, get Baker Mayfield. Going to be the next franchise quarterback from New Orleans. Wizards, we'll see you next year. Thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.